0: and this is also a sium of Demakis, a summary of the siche in this week's haftira we say nachamu nachamu begins nachamu nachmu ami be comforted be comforted uh, my people says Hashem. and the mendes says that because the, they were stricken in a double measure therefore they received comfort in a double measure as well the question is, what exactly is a comfort in a double me- double measure? What does that mean? So to understand that, we'll look at the end of the story that is told at the end of the Sechdem Makis, where it also concludes with Akiva Necham Akiva Necham Akiva, you have comforted us in a double expression, twice. So there too, it's a double uh, comfort. What does it mean over there? We'll understand what it means over here as well. So the story at the end of the Sechit tells us that uh, Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Loza Azaria and Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Kiva were once walking, traveling to Rome and when they were 120 mile uh, kilometers away they heard already the tumult of the uh, the action, the activity that was going on in Rome. So they began to cry. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva began to laugh. The other three began to cry. Rabbi Kiva began to laugh. So... They asked him why are you laughing so he said why are you crying so they said these pagans that they bow down to idols and they sit in uh, security and in comfort and we are the house uh, Hashem's home has been burnt in the fire should we not cry so he said to them that's why I'm laughing because if this is what Hashem does for those who violate his will how much more so will he do for those who fulfill his will the yin- at another time, they were once uh, going to Yerushalayim. When they res- uh, arrived at the Mount Scopus, where they could see Yerushalayim, they tore their garments. When they arrived at the Harabayas at the Temple Mount, they saw a fox coming out of the place where the Kiddush of the Holy of Holies, was. So they began to cry, and Rabbi Kiba began to laugh. So he said to them, why are you He's laughing? So he said to them, why are you crying? So they said, because it said, the place w- about which it says... And any stranger, non Kayan that will get close to this place shall die. And now foxes run there. Should we not cry? So he said to them, this is why I am laughing, because the Pesach says, and I take from me two trustworthy witnesses, Uriah hakayan and zacharia ben Yevarchiyohu. And so the Gemara asked, so Rabbi Kiva said, what's the connection between Uriah and zacharia They've lived in different at different times, he lived in the first temple, he lived in the second temple, what's the connection between them, but the Pesach is telling us that he connected the prophecy of Zechariah to the prophecy of Uriah, by Uriah it says, therefore because of you, Zion, meaning Yerushalayim, will be underplowed, will become plowed under, destroyed and in Zechariah it says there, there will come a time when the elders will sit in the streets of Yerushalayim in other words it will be rebuilt and so on so until the, fu- the uh, prophecy of Zechariah and uh, of Uriah was fulfilled I wasn't sure that the prophecy of uh, Zechariah will be fulfilled but now that I see that the prophecy of Uriah that the uh, Yerushalayim was destroyed was fulfilled, therefore I'm certain that the prophecy of Zechariah will be filled as well so they said to him, the other three sages said to him, Akiva, you have comforted us, Akiva, you have comforted us. That's the story at the end of the Sechdemakis. So we have to understand why they have two divergent approaches to, these, to both of these stories. They saw it one way and Rebbe Kiva saw it the other way. Why? What is the basis of their this, uh, seeing it in a different way? We also have to understand a number of uh, details of this story. What is Rabbi Akiva's question to them? Why are you crying? Is it not obvious why they're crying? That should be obvious to him. Why is he asking that question? In fact, Rabbi Akiva himself, the Gemara, the, that story tells us that when they arrived at Harat Seifim at Mount Scopus, they all tore their garments, including Rabbi Akiva, as is the halacha. So therefore, he himself was in a state of mourning for this. So why is he asking them why they're crying? Also, what is Rabbi Akiva saying? That until he saw that the uh, prophecy of Uriah was fulfilled, he wasn't sure that the prophecy of Zechariah will be fulfilled. Is that really what Rabbi Akiva is saying? That he's not sure that a prophecy that was said in the name of Hashem to do something good will not be fulfilled? What does that mean even? Also, why does he uh, focus on that one possek that uh, Yerushalayim will be underplowed, plowed like a field? there are so many different prophecies about the destruction of Yerushalayim why did he choose this particular passage also why does the, the Gemara tell us the names of all three of those sages usually it would say Rabbi Kiva and some of the other elders it wouldn't name them by name and here it names them by name also why did they only say Akiva Necham after the second story not back then at the beginning uh, the first story why didn't they respond there at all so the marshal says that the akivan echamtano. The reason it says twice akivan echamtano is because one refers to the first story and one refers to the second story, and they were responding to both stories. But that's a little difficult to understand because these are not stories that happened the same day or even the same week. One happened in Rome and the other one, or close to Rome, and the other one happened in Jerusalem. Could have been months apart, so it's not. It doesn't stand the reason that they would be responding to something that he said earlier. On the simple level, it would seem that Rabbi Kiva, they, the other three sages, saw the situation as it is now. A a bad situation. Rabbi Kiva saw that it leads to something good. And based on Rabbi Kiva's other uh, well-known phrase, whatever he would say, whatever Hashem has done, he has done for the good. So therefore, based on that, he always saw the good and everything that can come from it. But then, what are the other three sages thinking? Did they, do they not agree that one should always say that whatever Hashem does, He does for the good? That's actually a shulchan aruch That was brought as a final halacha, so it's unlikely that they disagree with that approach. So there must be something a little deeper about why they disagree on this issue. So to understand it, we have to understand the s- simple story in the Gemara the the reason that rabba kiva said to them why are you crying is not because he wondered why they're being sad over this of course th- there's a reason to mourn his question was why did you start crying now you arrived and you hear the noise from rome so now you started crying did you not know that rome was a powerful uh, country a powerful government and that they were sitting pretty and the jewish and and everything was in the, destroyed in at they knew this ahead of time what was it that triggered their starting to cry at that moment? That's what he was asking. In fact, the very reason that they were traveling to Rome to begin with was because Rome had imposed terrible decrees on the Jews, and they were going there to try and convince them that they should take those decrees off. So they were very well aware of it all the way in the whole trip. Why did they start crying then in the, in the second story? They weren't, he knew that they weren't crying over the destruction of the Bess because... Earlier, when they came to Mount Scopus, they already tore their garments. But it doesn't say they started crying there. When they came to kadesh Hakadoshim and they saw the fox coming out, that's what triggered their crying. So he was asking, what is it about these two things that made you cry at this moment? And their answer in the first story was that these pagans are sitting in comfort and security. In other words, they weren't saying that the Romans, for instance, they didn't respond the Romans who destroyed the the Beis HaMikdash, they're sitting in comfort, they didn't say that because that was actually for the benefit of the Jews because when if Hashem decided that He wants a, a nation to destroy the Beis HaMikdash, He chose the superpower to do it because that would be less embarrassing. At least it was a superpower, a powerful army that was able to do it. If it was some two-bit country, it would be more deeply embarrassing. So the fact that Rome is sitting in, in comfort and in certainty and in security, that wasn't bothersome to them. That was a blessing from Hashem. Their problem was that Rome, first of all, after the destruction of the Beis Amigdush already, why does Rome have to continue to be a country of superpower? They should spiral into decline immediately, because there's no need for them to be a superpower anymore. Why is the Beis HaMikdash still destroyed, and they still, still sit in security? That was their question. That was, to them, a deeper Chil Hashem. Of course there was a Chil Hashem with destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. The Jews went, uh, were embarrassed. Hashem be, should be embarrassed and so on, but such a deep Chilul Hashem, why does it have to continue to be such a deep Chilul Hashem that has to go on and on in the second story also yes they know that the to destroyed the Beisad but why does the destruction have to be to such a degree that the place where it says that even the kayan Godel is considered a czar is considered a stranger to that place other than for the few minutes that he did the Yavayda Anyam Kippur if he were to step foot into it at any other time he would be considered a czar and he would die and here foxes run why does the destruction have to uh, touch and affect even the place of the uh, Kedosh HaGadoshim Hashem could have destroyed the Besamikdosh in such a way that at least something was preserved the holiness of the Kedosh HaGadoshim but no it was an absolute and utter destruction down to the holiest holiest place that's what bothered them the terrible that it had, that was brought about why did it have to go so far so to this Rabbi Kiva answered that you have to look at the positive side of it which is if the descent is that far that Hashem allows the Romans to be powerful even now, so then how much more so will it lead to the Jewish people being powerful in the future, that He will, they will be blessed even more so, the more the Romans, the more He gives the Romans, the, even more so that He will give the Yidden eventually. So the more you see the chil Hashem now, the more will be the Kiddush Hashem later. And in regards to the second story, he said, if you see that this destruction goes down to the very highest, to the very uh, holiest place, so then you know that the response, that the reward eventually will be also in the highest place. In other words, what he was saying is, the, the uh, prophecy of Uriah could have been done as you wanted, which is that it should be done to some degree, to some measure. doesn't have to be done in the absolute worst way. But if that would have happened, then we don't know what the, the prophecy of, uh, of Zechariah would be. When Hashem promises to reward the Eden, would it also be in the absolute ultimate way, or would it be just a mediocre reward? When I see that the punishment was done down to the worst way possible, so I know that the prophecy of Zechariah will also be done in the best way possible and as we see that when Hashem gives brachas there could be levels to the brachas for instance in the Pasig it says that one of the blessings in Kriyashma is you will gather in your grain which means the average what is normally expected then there is a greater bracha which was given to Yitzchak Meyesha Orem his produce was a hundred times what was normally expected, that's a much greater blessing even higher than that would be is a blessing that the uh, the grain would be the size of of kidneys each grain of wheat would be the size of a kidney that's an unbelievable blessing and even more than that what will be in the time of Mashiach that when one person is, go, if, is uh, plowing one row he's meeting up with the guy that is already reaping what happened the, the row that he plowed earlier in, in the day in other words that everything grows in, uh, within minutes or within hours so there are levels in the kind of produce that could come from a sodah tcharish from a field which is ploughed. That's why he chose that pasuk to show that there could be levels in the kind of blessing. I mean we know that Uriah's uh, prophecy of destruction was taken to the nth degree, so we know that the blessing will also be given in the nth degree not that he was wondering if it would come fulfilled, the question is what level will Zachariah's prophecy be fulfilled on, so now that we understand what Rabbi Kiva was saying and was seeing and what the other sages were seeing, we can explain their difference of seeing things based on halacha there is a well known question in halacha that sometimes you, are, you have two conflicting mitzvahs which you have to choose one or the other. For instance, you have to look at should we do what is happening, what is the mitzvah that is coming now even though that will compromise a later mitzvah or should we compromise this mitzvah that is now because a greater mitzvah is coming up. For instance, if somebody is told by his doctors that he's not allowed to fast two, day, two times in one week now it's Tzumgedalia, the day after Rosh Hashanah, which is a fast day, which is only from the prophets and he could fast today but that means that he won't be able to fast on Yom Kippur he'll be too weak to fast on Yom Kippur, which is a Torah law, so the question is, should he skip the fast on Tzumgedalia in favor of the fast, which is more important on Yom Kippur, or do we say, should he do the mitzvah that is at your hand now, the one that's up comes up now, do it now what will happen to Yom Kippur, then you'll either be able to, or you won't be able to, it's up to whatever the situation is. And this could be, what the machlek is between Rabbi Kiva, and the other sages, the other sages said, right now we have a terrible Chil Hashem, Rabbi Kiva is saying, it's worthwhile to have the terrible Chil Hashem now, because that will lead to a much greater, Kiddush Hashem in the future, it will be the kind of Kiddush Hashem, that will be from the prophecy of Zechariah, on the highest level, so but, so they, Rabbi Kiva held that you give up the current mitzvah in order in favor of the bigger mitzvah that comes up later they were saying, right now you have the terrible ter- 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 Chil Hashem. that's a reason to cry, that's a reason to mourn, that's a terrible situation the fact that it will lead in the in the future to a better thing we'll get there, we'll laugh also we can explain it slightly differently based on another machlegis that exists and that is whether if you have a conflict when you can fulfill a mitzvah with all of its detail with every single detail but that will compromise the general beautification of the mitzvah the hider mitzvah should you go for the general hider mitzvah and give up on a detail in the mitzvah or should you say we'll skip this one detail because that will allow us to have a much more beautiful mitzvah in general for instance if somebody there's a bris somebody has to make a bris one detail of doing a bris is that zrizim Magdimen People that are on top of things, so they do the mitzvah as soon as it, uh, as soon as able, as uh, they're able to, as soon as possible. When should a bris be? First thing in the morning. But if you do it first thing in the morning, that will compromise on the the people that will arrive. There will be only a small minion, and you won't be able to get the hundred people that you uh, hope to have in the afternoon. Should you compromise? the uh, doing it immediately in the morning which is a detail in the performance of the mitzvah should you say no we'll opt for the beautiful mitzvah which will have a hundred people in attendance that is bereiv am hadras melech a mitzvah which way should you go in a similar way you could say that if somebody has a basic set of lulav and esrig which he has with him in the morning But he knows that somebody is arriving in the afternoon with a beautiful lulav and Should he make the bracha now because it's a mitzvah to do zizim adim mitzvahs? or should he wait till the afternoon when we'll have a beautiful lulav and to do the mitzvah? So the same would apply to these two stories. Currently, we have a fox running around in the base in the kedusha kadoshim. Currently, the Romans are sitting on top of the world, which is a terrible Chilul Hashem, and we're compromising the good name of Hashem and the good name of the Jewish people. For what? Because eventually this will lead that in the future there will be a much more beautiful Kiddush Hashem. The Kiddush Hashem will be on a much higher level, as we explained before, that's based on the uh, they were stricken deeply, so therefore they'll be rewarded uh, doubly. But do you opt for a greater, beautiful Kiddush Hashem in the future by compromising the Chil Hashem that we have a terrible Chil Hashem now so the other sages, the three sages said we have to deal with what is now we have a problem now Rabbi Kivas said, no, we look to the general Hidur that can come about as a result of it and therefore he was laughing, he was happy about what was happening, what was going on and that is an explanation of what is, a, what is the double comfort there's one comfort is that in the future it will be much, much greater. The The result of the terrible Golas is that there will be a much greater Gaula in the future. The double comfort is that even now, as we look at it at this time, we can already see, as Rabbi Kiva was able to see already now, the future in its glorious, um, in the great glory that it will be. And the reason that it is, y- you, you can look at it now and see the future is because it's dependent on what is happening now the future the glorious future comes as a result and a direct result of the terrible strike that the Yidden had at the time and therefore from this horror we already see we see that this leads to the glorious future based on this we can also explain why the Gemara tells us the names of all the sages because the, the three sages that were there, which was Ram Gamliel, he was the leader of the Jewish people at the time, the Nasi, he came from Shebet Yehuda, he was a Yisrael, and then there was Rabbi and Azariah, he was a Kayan that was the 10th generation of uh, of Ezra HaKayin, Ezra Navi. and then there was Rabbi Yeshua, who was a Levi, who had, was one of the Levim that sang in the Beis HaMikdash, so all of them were from, they came from good Yichas, they had good Jewish stock. Rabbi Kiva was a son of Geir. And therefore, it was Rabbi Kiva who came from that world. He was able to see and he was able to take out and understand and appreciate that from there, that's, from what happens in the other side, that's how we will triumph on our side it's similar to what uh, what is said, there was an expression that you take a piece of wood to make a handle for the axe in order to chop down a tree in other words that the tree itself ha- is what contributes to the tro- chopping down of future trees it's from the trees itself that you're able to chop down trees Sarva Kiva who came from that world he was the one that was able to see clearly that everything that they have and all the glory that they have now is what will lead to their destruction, is what leads to the Jewish dominance and to the Jewish triumph in the future. Whereas the other sages, they come, come from a place of light. They come from a Jewish background. And therefore they weren't unable to appreciate this as clearly as Rebbe Kiva was. And we actually also see this idea brought out in a posik in the Parsha itself. Till now we talked about the Aftarah, but in the Parsha there's a Posik that says, Ki bonim The word is the, the uh, numerical value of 852. He was telling them, the Ebershah was telling him that the Beis would only last for 852 years between the two of them. 400 uh, <coughs> sorry, that when they come to Hetz at the end of 852 years, they would be going to Golos, the first Golos. But in the end, what did He do? Hashem blessed them by sending them into Golos after 850 years, two years early. Why is that a blessing? That's a curse. He sent them into Golos two years early. The reason is because if He had allowed it to go to 852, then He would have had to go to what it says in the further passage, which is, of a tevedun, because you will worship idols, and you will step away from my path, therefore you will be destroyed, so Hashem didn't want to let it to go to that point, so therefore he kept, he already chased them out, he already sent the Yiddin to Golas 850 years, two years early, so that it never got to the point of of a tevedun where he would have to destroy them, so in other words, the Golas itself was the blessing it was the blessing that Hashem sent it early in a deeper way in order to prevent anything further in order to give them the blessing of not having a final destruction and through our work in the time of goal the concludes we will get to Nachamu Nachamu and from there it will go on to Anoichi, Anoichi Yumenachem which means that not only will the prophet say be comforted but Hashem himself will send comfort he himself will deliver comfort through Be'ez Mashiach Tzedkeinu